Good morning. Morning now. Now, the main part of our reading today is Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 56. And we'll start our reading in verse 39, and that'll give us a little bit of continuity and context. Today's sermon follows on from my last sermon when Mary was visited by the angel Gabriel. And you'll remember from that account that Gabriel greeted Mary and told her that she was highly favoured and that the Lord was with her. He then went on to tell her that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and that she would be with child and give birth to a son. And of course her son would be Jesus. Now there was two quotes from that account uh, between Mary and Gabriel that really stand out. The first is a quote from Gabriel which highlights God's greatness. And he said, for nothing is impossible to God. God is great. There is nothing that is impossible to him. And then highlighting Mary's humbleness and heart towards God is her response. I am the Lord's servant. Today's passage continues in a similar vein. As we read about how Mary further responds to God, she gives glory to the God of the impossible and rejoices in him. And as she is exalting God, we discover why he is worthy to be praised. So um, if you haven't already, let's turn to Luke chapter 1, and we'll be reading from verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days, and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias, and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfilment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Saviour. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months, and returned to her house. Now, 
This passage is known as Mary's Song, or more famously, it's also known as the Magnificat. And the word Magnificat comes from the Latin Vulgate translation of this particular passage. And, and the word Magnificat translates to, as to glorify. And that's what this passage is all about. It's about Mary glorifying God. Um, now, comparisons are made between Mary's song of praise and the song of Hannah, which is found in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Now, we're, we're not going to read through that right now, but I encourage you to read it later, so I'll just summarise it for you. Hannah, you will remember, was unable to have children. She was barren, and she prayed to God with all of her heart, and God heard her and found favour in her. And as a result, she gave birth to Samuel and then later on she had other children as well. And you may remember that we had a message on Hannah some time ago and we drew a link between Hannah and Samuel through David, whom Samuel anointed as king, and down through history to Mary and to Jesus. And as well as this link between Hannah and Mary, there's also a number of similarities between the two songs of praise that the two women sing before God. They both rejoice in the Lord from their heart. They both praise him for his strength. They both praise him for his sovereignty. And they both praise him for his holiness. Hannah's song is actually often referred to as being the Magnificat of the Old Testament. And what becomes evident in Hannah's song is that she is not rejoicing as much in the son that she received. Um, she's not rejoicing so much in the answered prayer, but rather her joy is in the Lord who answered her prayer. There is a subtle but significant difference. And I think that's the key to our worship. We praise the God who can answer prayer as opposed to praising God because of what we have received. And in the same way, we are saved, and then we go on to praise the God of our salvation. We are blessed only because of what we receive from him, so we praise the God of that blessing. Now as we move through uh, this passage today, our main application is the how and the why. How does Mary praise God and why is he worthy of being praised? Well, when we look at the how, we'll find that it is from her inner heart and it is with all of her being. When we talk of praise in this context, we're not just talking about the songs that we sing and it's not just about our Sunday morning worship. We only have to look at Mary's opening line in this passage. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. Her song of praise isn't just well thought out lyrics but they come from and are brought forth by her whole being. They are brought forth from her soul and her spirit. And the encouragement for us is that we too should be all about praising and glorifying God with our whole being and in all aspects of our lives. 
It should also be us saying, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. So that's the how. The why is, is because, why do we praise God? It's because God is so great. He's holy, he's merciful, he's powerful, he's sovereign, he's faithful. And while he is all of those things, he bestowed his favour upon Mary. So let's look at Mary's song and explore briefly the how and why she was praising God. The first thing that Mary praises God for is because of his favour towards her personally. Verse 48. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. The Most High God has considered and has chosen her. In fact, God chose her for probably the greatest blessing that there is. She was chosen to be the mother of Jesus. Now, as we know from last week, Jesus is known as the Christ or the Anointed One. And what does that mean? Well, it was explained to us in Luke 4, wasn't it? As we remember from last week. He is anointed to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim that the captives and the oppressed should be set free, that the blind shall see, and he shall declare that the time of the Lord's favour has come. Mary's child will bring deliverance and salvation for all of mankind. And because of this great blessing and fulfilment of God's promise through her, Mary is now known as being blessed above all women. But as Mary admitted herself, she is of a lowly state. She was of a humble background and was just a normal young girl of that time. You'll remember the statement, can anything good come from Nazareth? Well, that was a reference to Jesus's and also to Mary's humble background. As well as that, like all of the rest of mankind, she had the same inherent sinful nature as anyone else. She was not perfect or had in herself earned such a great blessing. The Almighty Holy God considered her lowly state and chose her even despite her humble condition and her sinful nature for this great blessing. And what was her response? Her response was to immediately glorify the God who had bestowed this blessing. You see, God considers who we are and he chooses us as we are. We're not chosen because of any grand qualities we possess or any blessing or favour that we receive is not because of who we are but it's because of who he is and what he has done for us. So we too should be praising God for considering us that while we were still sinners and while we still continue to struggle with sin on a daily basis that God loved us by sending his son through Mary to die for us saving us from condemnation. Now if we look at um, Mary's words in verse 49, they summarise this point of her praising God because he had personally blessed her. And this is what she, she says. 
She says, For he, he who is mighty has done great things for me. Mary then praises God for his holiness. Verse 49. And holy is his name. Now, the rest of the Magnificat shifts from focusing on Mary praising God because of what he has done for her personally to glorifying God because of who he is and what he has done for the people of, his, of Israel, for his people. Mary glorifies God because he is holy. Now, we know that God has many attributes such as love, mercy, grace, purity, justice, and so on. But probably the attribute that overarches all of these is holiness. The importance of God being holy is highlighted in Scripture. In biblical literature, when something is important, it is repeated to emphasize its importance. And um, you'll remember from uh, Jesus later on in his ministry, he would say things like, truly, truly. And usually when he says truly, truly, you know that he is about to say something really important. And we see this in Isaiah's vision of God when he repeats the word holy three times while describing God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And that's from uh, Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3. So what holiness means is that in God there is not even an ounce of sinfulness or earthliness. He is 100% holy. He is so holy that he cannot have any part with anything that is remotely unholy. Habakkuk 1 verse 13 demonstrates this when he poses a question to God. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? So we see here Habakkuk, is, he's questioning God about the injustice of the wicked overcoming the righteous. And that's probably a really good sermon for Calphane to bring to us on another day. Calphane, if you need a hand finding where that scripture is, I'll, I'll give you the page number later. The point here is that God cannot tolerate or look upon evil because he is totally holy. We should remember that when we come into his presence, we are in the presence of the most holy God. The well factor of God's holiness is when we view his other attributes and his provision for us in the light of his holiness. We end up with a fuller picture of God's mercy, grace, his love and his justice. In the light of his holiness, the fact that he considers our loneliness and delivers, saves and blesses us is even more amazing. The fact that a holy God would even consider me so we magnify and glorify God because he is the holy, holy, holy Lord of hosts. Mary then goes on to praise God because of his mercy. Verse 50. And his mercy is on those who fear him 
to generation. Um, one of the things that we, we find out about Mary is that she is conversant with God's word and she incorporates it into her worship. Her praise about God's mercy is actually a rough quote of uh, Psalm 103, verse 17. So I'll, re I'll read to you from there, um, taken in Psalm 103, verses 17 to 18. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them. The holy God is merciful. Those who fear him are blessed by his forgiveness, by his love and his grace. They experience his mercy. Those who fear him and receive his mercy praise God because he is merciful. Without him we would be lost for eternity because we had broken God's law. Yet in spite of our sin, God extended his mercy to us. He loved us and he forgave us of our sin. Not because we deserve forgiveness or because we had earned it, but rather because he is a merciful God. Right, we'll change gear now. So we're going from um, Mary glorifying uh, God because he's holy and merciful to glorifying God because he is all-powerful. Verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. This phrase, the strength with his arm, is a figurative description of God's powerful acts. Now, we can't possibly fathom the extent of God's power and strength. His power is certainly way above the scale of human power and strength both individually and corporately. I don't know if you've ever watched one of those end-of-the-world movies. Um, I recently watched one, and it was about a comet hitting the Earth and causing an extinction-type event. So it was pretty uplifting on a, on a Saturday afternoon. Anyway, as the movie plays out, it, it, the, with the graphics and things, it's quite shocking. Um, it sort of showed major cities and continents were being totally destroyed within a very short period of time, and along with it, most of humanity. Sometimes we see God's power as being comparable with natural events, such as hurricanes, tsunamis, wildfires, or even comet strikes. However, Scripture tells us that he is far mightier than these things. We only have to consider the fact that he created the earth, the universe, and everything in it. How can we possibly comprehend the extent of his might? The fact that God is all-powerful is certainly a reason why we should be in awe of God and why we should glorify him. And David does just that. Um, in 1 Chronicles verse, uh, chapter 29, these are the words of David, praising a powerful and great God. Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty, for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all.
So God is powerful. He is also sovereign. And the two sort of go hand in hand. Mary goes on to uplift God because he oversees everything and his purposes have and will come to pass. From verses 52 and 53, he has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Mary knows God through his deeds. She knows God's word and the history of God's interactions with his people, the Israelites. These things were passed on down to her. And she praises God for his sovereignty. It was God who overcame Pharaoh and the Canaanites and the Philistines and many other powerful enemies of Israel. She also remembered how God had risen up his people from humble backgrounds, people such as Joseph, people such as Moses, Samuel, David, Esther and Daniel. Throughout Israel's history, he has never allowed his chosen people to be completely overwhelmed or destroyed. Because that was part of his purposes and his plan and that was part of his will. And scripture doesn't end there in regards to God's sovereignty. We only need to look back to our studies in the book of Revelation to recognise that God's sovereignty is still unfolding and will be fully realised in the return of Jesus, the King, and in the establishment of the new heaven and the new earth. And again, I'm, I'm going back to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. So we praise God because he is sovereign. Now the last thing that we'll look at is that Mary worships God because of his faithfulness to his people. Uh, verses 53 to 55. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. God is faithful to Israel and the promise that he made to Abraham. Mary understood that God made a covenant with his people. God had promised to make from Abraham's spiritual seed a great nation that would be a blessing to all the world. And God is faithful to his promises and his covenant. Now, I don't know if Mary fully understood the blessing that she had received and its ongoing implications. But she glorified God for his faithfulness to his covenant, not just in the past, but forever. It's like she is prophetically proclaiming the coming fulfillment of God's covenant made with Abraham through the child that she was now carrying. The faithful God was fulfilling his covenant by bringing the promised deliverer into the world through her. Now we'll remember back to, um, I think it was a garden where Gabriel came to 
to meet Mary earlier. And I'll just read to you from Luke chapter 1, verses 31 to 33. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So it's no wonder that she was joyfully praising God. God is faithful. He is faithful to his promises from ancient times through to forever. Our faithful God is worthy of our praise. So looking over this passage of Mary's song, there are some things that we can take away. Firstly, Mary's song is a song from her heart. It reflects the essence of her thoughts, of her love, of her joy and her attitude towards God. Sure, she had a good reason to be full of excitement and to bring forth this song of praise. But I can't help but think that she still would have glorified God in the same way and for the same reasons, even if God's history had passed her by and we did not even know who she was. And this is reflected in her statement, I am the Lord's servant. The big picture is that we worship God in all aspects of our lives because of who he is. He is all-powerful, he is holy, he is merciful and faithful and so on. And because he is all of these things and more, we can know his salvation, his deliverance and his blessing. I'd just like to finish with um, a Psalms. Psalms 146, verses 1 to 2. Praise the Lord. Let all that I am praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God with my dying breath. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we do indeed just, just want to thank you Lord, for who you are and all that you have done. Lord, may we, with all aspects of our lives, praise and worship you and lift you up, Lord God. And Lord, may we have that, that same attitude that Mary had, that, Lord, I am your servant. Lord, we pray that, uh, that that's what we do going forward, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.